Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Conversation brought to you by AcousticHealth.com. I'm Loren Gailey, and today we're going to be talking about many topics with another like-minded fellow. I'm speaking with mystic lover and enthusiast of the bizarre Bruce Fenton, who's across the Atlantic Ocean over in England. His website is 2012rising.com. It explores truths and fallacies of 2012 and so much more. Welcome, Bruce. Hi, Loren. Thank you very much for having me on. It's brilliant. Really nice to talk to you. It is really nice to talk with you. We've been friends on Facebook for a while. We share many of the same friends. Describe your spiritual journey and how you got involved with 2012 Rising. Sure. Um, it, it goes back a fair way. I mean, I'm, I, the original when I sort of came into the, the mystery topics was actually uh, through a, a sort of at the time what seemed a um, not a sort of meaningless gift, but it was a collection of uh, tea cards, which are small cards you'd get free with tea leaves. Uh, I was probably about 10 years old, and each card would have something along the lines of say the crystal skulls, uh, the pyramids, Nazca lines, all of these various world mysteries. So that was my first kind of introduction to the the, the world of strange phenomena. Um, however, it was only a bit later on in life, at sort of around 16, that um, I started to career down the rabbit hole a little bit when I started to have um, experiences with telepathy, which was really the kind of you know, the initiation experience for me into the sort of the supernatural and, um, and really taking the sort of mystery subjects a lot more seriously. Um, but obviously as a teenager, I, I didn't launch myself too fully into the, the more serious study of it, rather just finding a, you know, it, was a, it was a peculiar thing that was happening, something that I accepted as being real. Um, but it was only as you know, as I got so older that I began to sort of look into how that would work, what it meant about the world, um, and the connected phenomena that sort of go along with the idea of psychic forces. Um, so I'd say from around sort of 20, I started to really research and really look into the, the mysteries of our world in terms of the spiritual side of things, as well as just um, that there are odd things happening, but looking a lot deeper into it. Um, so it's probably, um, I'd say, that, that period of around sort of 20 to 25 that I really sort of became fanatical, I'd say, to a degree, um, to the point of probably, you know, uh, losing at least sort of one relationship, I think, uh, you know, over the intensity of my studies, uh, where literally I would you know, come back from work and spend all of my time you know, just looking either at websites or reading sort of books on the bazaar. Um, that, that's kind of really what's you know, started my sort of serious journey, though, is the experiences with the psychic forces. It's fascinating because listening to you talk, I had that same experience where you start with one question, 
and you go down that rabbit hole like you said. You said as a teenager you had telepathy. For me, and the first experience I remember of it was being at my, my family home in the West Country and just feeling something wasn't quite right. You know, in my mind, there was something troubling, as though there was a message there sort of bubbling up that I, I wasn't taking notice of. And so I went outside, walked down to the road, and then it just came through to me really clearly that um, you know, someone that I care very much about had been arrested and was being held in, in a police station somewhere. And this, this came through as being really strongly that it was an accurate message. Um, I mean, I had connections with you know, people that are close to you and becoming more like to have to let people out my first It was literally kind of um, not quite an image, but almost uh, having a description or sort of pop into your head of someone's situation uh, because they're in an intense moment themselves and it, then somehow transferring that thought across to you. And that, that was my first experience of it. Um, but that said, I mean, it went on to be situations such as um, being somewhere in a club and then just the person next to you's name popping straight into my head. So it, it was um, no imagery as such. It was it was tended to be just word or a phrase or a situation would would, uh, would, would sort of appear in my head almost as text or as just as a knowing uh, rather than seeing things at that time. You also said that you accepted this as real when you were a kid and that helped you parlay it into your your real life and then into the mystery schools. Mm-hmm. You know, and so when you look at today's world, what is the most fascinating? I take it as being a case of that um, we look at this, we've got the, well, I see the factual sort of concepts about oneness and consciousness that underlays all of this. That I do feel that it's um, a general upward thrust of, um, of, of the consciousness energy itself is, is, is causing all of these things to fall apart, both some of the, the good structures that mankind has built and, and these negative structures. It's almost as though there's in our subconscious, our unified subconsciouses, we're all choosing to dissolve all of it so that we can rebuild. And I think that you know, we, we have to look at this, it's not just the, the good stuff that seems to be going wrong, but it's also a lot of things going wrong for the, those that would like to keep things their way. So yeah, it seems to be a, a, a mass general change that I feel is, is positive, although it may at times seem to be negative, because it just needs everything to kind of collapse to a degree. And I think that's what we're, we're going to start seeing is that, you know, on both sides of the fence, that things will collapse for both parties in this, this situation. Let's talk about the Gulf. When we look at things that are dissolving, hopefully it's our dependency on oil and we're all able to bring in a new system, new technologies, new energies. Yes, I mean, I definitely feel that um, this situation has come about um, with with some positive elements to it because it is, of course, raising this issue of, you know, should we be stuck on using oil? Like, I think that the neg- you know, the Illuminati, the negative side, they, they would like to use this, of course, for their own reasons, you know, the, to um, promote perhaps uh, the carbon trade system, the power and money that comes with that. But I think that the flip side of it is that it's making a lot of people become aware of the negative side of, of the oil industry, which we've taken so much to, to granted that it's almost invisible to us. Um, and it, it's starting to raise these questions of why aren't we looking more seriously at um, alternative power sources? Um, Amongst that that debate, of course, is the sort of over-unity devices and, and tapping into zero-point energy. And although those aren't yet at the forefront of this sort of situation, I do feel that um, with the wonders of the Internet, you know, it's an opportunity for these people that for years in the background have had these these uh, amazing advanced technologies and uh, machines that people 
it's on the edge of the peripheral view of, of society, but there are people with genuine, I feel, genuine discoveries at that, that edge who can take advantage of this situation now that people are crying out as to, you know, what's the answer, what do we do, the oil, you know, the oil industry is killing everything, which essentially they are. Um, and so this really is a, an opportunity for these people at the fringe to kind of speak up again. I mean, for a long time they've been sort of, you know, pushed, pushed away and kept quiet, but I think at last they have an opportunity now to really push forward and say, look, we don't need to use oil, we don't really even need to necessarily look at just wind power and all the rest of that. There's there's real radical technologies that can tap into literally the, the zero point, the substratum of the quantum field that, you know, there's, there's a limitless energy even in, in one tiny you know, cubic centimetre of empty space. And I think that that's, that's the opportunity that's coming from this situation. And it's just fascinating because we see science merging with spirituality very fast. So when we look at our future and we look at situations like the Gulf, that helps raise consciousness as well. When people are reminded that we hold the vision of what we want, what we focus on, we get. So to turn our thoughts, and I love that because more and more people are realizing as we make this great shift that we need to be in control of our thoughts and direct our focus, we give our attention and we'll get that. Because like you said earlier, there are some people that are having a hard time with the energies that are coming in. So let's talk about the energies that are coming in. Astrologically, this summer, it's a doozy. Have you experienced any crazy stuff going on yet? I've been, I think I've been fairly lucky because on the, um, the, you know, the, the sort of major events we've had this year, such as the sort of the Grand Grand Cross conjunction, I think it was, um, I actually had a very positive experience of those energies and found myself in a situation where I was able to uh, meet and connect with a whole new group of people I didn't know. Uh, I had some real positive um, leaps forward in my my recently opened business, and um, so really, whereas I was kind of expecting to be a negative sort of challenging point, which I know it was for many people, um, it was actually the opposite of me. I'd actually had probably, I'd say, more going on that was sort of stressful and trying up until that point, and it was almost so that was kind of a gateway, you know, a doorway opened and said, well, okay, you know, you've had your trials, and at this point, instead of it being... Getting, getting sort of worse is actually where well, yeah, you, you've done that you can actually use this option to now move up a bit in the situation and sort of transcend it so I'd say mm-hmm. I've been quite fortunate I was just the opposite Bruce for me I just found there were some things in my path that needed to become that needed to come up to be healed mm-hmm. and it's this negative stuff so we are purifying ourselves would you agree? yes Oh, definitely, yes. I think, yes, we have to keep refining our own energies to, to try and match the, the raising vibrations of, well, of the Earth, of the cosmos. I mean, we've seen that there's certainly changes going on. As I know that you discussed with past guests, I've heard something about the, the, sort of the, the changes throughout our solar system, that, you know, that there's a cosmic change going on. The energies are moving faster and higher in, in all of the planets. You know, Earth certainly is not sort of kept aside of that. We're all having it happen, and that we need to keep in in tune with our Mother Earth. And I think a degree of that is facing the shadow self and refining the issues we have within us. And certainly, I'd, I'd be very surprised if there was anyone on Earth who had literally nothing within them to work out and to refine as as the energies do move sort of higher and faster. 
that there's a thinning of the veils as we approach 2012? Yeah, in, in my experience, with dealing with people, particularly sort of online and for obviously the wonders of the, the web, um, it does seem that there's a lot more people now that are experiencing, say, for example, telepathy, uh, but also, let's say, seeing spirits of deceased friends and relatives, um, having certainly the, the 11-11 phenomenon, which has become sort of very well known. I mean, that seems to have really, really sort of peaked, you know, that there's, uh, I think there's few people that, if you ask them about it, will say that they've, they've never had a strange experience, but they've seen, you know, 11-11 a couple of times in the same day or, or something on those, like and to have felt that it meant something. So, whereas before, uh, the vast majority of people maybe had some strange experiences, but they wouldn't have noticed them. I think that's, that's almost the, the, the thing of the way is almost where the awareness is also building within them at the same time as more of these events are coming. So you've got uh, a collision of the, the two sort of factors of both something within our own consciousness, but also something more cosmic, that there's this merging perhaps of the, the fourth dimension with the fifth dimension, I know that some people refer to, that you know, it's almost that we're right between two sort of uh, wheels of time, and in this point, before we shift fully, we're starting to have some experiences that, say, a higher dimensional, fifth dimensional being would have, being able to work with psychic forces as though they were just, you know, normal as seeing and hearing. Um, I feel that we're going to have this just getting more and more profound over the next few years, uh, but it certainly seems that there's uh, an awful lot more people now that will be admitting to having some very sort of supernatural, paranormal uh, events happening. Um, and in my conversations with people, being quite open on these subjects, I do find that uh, people will sort of talk to me that perhaps wouldn't tell their friends and families about things. And, and a lot of them are saying that, you know, it's a new thing for them. That's why I feel that it's um, definitely, that this thing of the very is, is a real thing. It's not a case of that these have always been happening at this um, this peak level, that it, it does, definitely seems that people are saying that it's new for them to have so much strange stuff happening in their lives. So when we talk about the fourth dimension and the fifth dimension, that is just mind-blowing. It really is. I mean, we yeah. talk about the crystalline, that our bodies will be different, they may be taller. Let's talk about what you could possibly imagine a fifth-dimensional world to be like. Okay, that's a, that's a very good question. I mean, it's something I've, I've, tr I've tried to ponder, and um, I know that I don't like to put a, you know, uh, an absolute solid view on it, because, of course, we're all open to surprises. Um, but I would imagine that it's a case of that, uh, once you get into the fifth dimensional as a, as a sort of permanent place to reside, that nearly everyone, if not everyone, would have, you know, a, f a fully functional telepathic ability for a start, that, that although we could use spoken word, that telepathy would just become normal. I think that's one of the, the key parts, and I think that that would fundamentally change the way that any society works, that once you can um, you know, have a conversation with a friend who's perhaps on the other side of the planet and have it as though you were on the telephone I am to you now, um, being able to do that would really change so many things about our society that um, we can no longer have these ideas of, say, the people in Iran and strange fears about people that we can't see or communicate with. Um, you know, all of a sudden that would just be leveled that, you know, you can talk to people anywhere uh, at any time. Uh, and that's one of the key things. But I also feel that, you know, in terms of self-healing, that we would have incredibilities in the same way that perhaps a, a Reiki master would, would give healing. You know, that, that would be the same kind of 
normal energy flowing through people so that the, the likelihood of you getting ill would be so very much reduced that you know that would be something that we'd all have readily easy access to is if we felt unwell to be able to simply channel the, the equivalent of sort of Reiki energies immediately. Um, also I feel that you know we would be able to use many of the other sort of psychic abilities that are out there. I think that probably we'd find that there's a, a range of them that are not very well known, which I may well not have heard of at all myself, and that will just suddenly become factored in and become commonplace. I mean, I, I think my view is that we're looking at a where all sorts of factors of a human being, which are, are already within us but are sort of suppressed, will, will become the norm and will rise up. And in that situation, I think that the way we, we mould our society and the way we treat each other would so radically shift that it'd be like moving on to an alien world. Um, of course, I expect that you know we would be a lot more compassionate and kind to each other in those circumstances because of the level of harmonious sort of understanding we'd have that nobody would would wish to harm someone that they could then sense the harm they've done to them. I mean, it's almost like a uh, instant karma effect. You know, if you could feel the hurt you put on to somebody straight away, I mean, you'd you'd soon learn to treat people better. Do you think? it's going to be a slow transition over a few years or a couple of decades? Will it be a shift at one particular date? Will it be two worlds splitting into two worlds, as some have said as well, theorized? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I certainly am, I, I've been leaning towards the idea that it will be a kind of a, a splitting off into two worlds. I have to admit that even going back sort of from sort of five years ago or so when I was first really sort of looking more at the 2012 date that um, you know, my intuitive sense was that we would hit a point where some people would essentially seem to disappear and that you know to other people who were still of a, of a lower vibration and hadn't really worked with them, their shadows and really cleared out enough would find that they would walk past people in the street and not notice them and I, I know that um, probably heard yourself that these are things that are already happening. I, I think that these um, are likely to continue and, and are indicative of some kind of split that is ahead of us where uh, even if the people don't necessarily transcend onto a completely different world, I mean I'm not sure how it works exactly, but that we could almost be living on the same earth but in two completely different civilizations that have very little communication with each other and that are even loosely aware of each other. Um, in fact, I think I, I did on one of your interviews that there was some mention that in workshops that they were having people um, already sort of, you know, that would disappear for periods. So I think that there's definitely evidence that the the two-path sort of shift is, is certainly a plausible reality. It's the one I lean towards more um, rather than the idea that necessarily a huge number of people have to die off and be sort of reincarnated onto um, a, a, one sort of old-style earth other people on a new earth or, or vice versa that the, the people that are higher vibrational die off and are born somewhere else. I mean I don't think we necessarily need to actually involve the death process for this to happen that um, although it's one way I think we could equally just literally suddenly phase out from each other. Almost like yeah. a, a parallel universes or parallel lives. Well yes, yes. Um, I mean I know that I'm not sure familiar with a book called um, I think The Mystery of the Crystal Skulls, going back a few years ago now. Uh, but in that, they, they did some channeling with, I think it was the Mitchell Hedges Crystal Skull. And um, some of the information they got from that was that 
once upon a time on Earth there had been, you know, a higher culture, whether it was sort of the Lemurian or Atlantean, but this higher civilization, and, and they themselves sort of said that, you know, that they got to a point where they kind of phased out, and that, you know, they can still see us, when they're, they're in the way it's sort of put, is that they're possibly, you know, still around us now, and that this sort of shift happened to them, where they kind of phased out, they've left behind the physical things they used, you know, the technologies that were lost in the, in the seabed and whatnot, but for them it was a case of moving into a, a new dimensional level and no longer needing that physical society they created. So then they kind of sort of saying to us, you know, this potential is there for you too, where you could, you know, shift up this gear, find that those of you that have made the right effort literally do phase out. So, I mean, there is some channeled information, you know, to suggest that this is something that's happened before and that we certainly have the potential to, to go down that path. Um, that does resonate with me quite strongly. I, I mean, I've had experiences myself, where at least once when I was um, doing a meditation just at home. My then partner, who was herself a very gifted medium and psychic, said that, you know, she was sort of half asleep, you know, in the room, but she said that she sort of looked, looked across to where I'd been sort of meditating, that I sort of disappeared, and she looked back, and I was there, and she sort of said, you know, where did you go? You just disappeared. So, mm -hmm. I mean, although I didn't feel, you know, feel that I was invisible, I don't know how you would feel you're invisible, but, you know, to her, I had disappeared whilst in meditation, so, I mean, I, I definitely accept that these are real things, you know, especially when it's someone you, you really trust telling you, otherwise you probably doubt yourself, but, so, and I think these are, yeah, we definitely have the potential to shift ourselves up a gear and move into um, a more sort of fifth-dimensional way of living. I should just sort of clarify as well, I know that I've heard some people say we're moving into the f a fourth dimension, some say we're moving into a fifth dimension. Um, from my perspective, when I say the fifth dimension, because I, I do count time as being the, you know, the fourth dimension, being the only non-spatial dimension, so I'm not referring to a sort of skipping through from being third-dimensional beings to fourth then fifth. Let's talk about invisibility. You know, the mystics, they had these meditations that allowed them to do that, so... I'm very excited that you became invisible. Yes, certainly uh, it was not what I was expecting. It wasn't, it wasn't the intention of the meditation. It was just a, you know, a, a normal sort of breathing meditation. There was no kind of um, innate desire that that's what I wanted to achieve. So it, so it is um, quite interesting that, yeah, it's a kind of almost an automatic effect of, of doing meditation that you unlock some of these things that are just within you and without having to, say, uh, visualize or focus on, on wanting something to happen, that it is already sort of innate in the process. Um, I have, I've heard from at least I think it's one of my very knowledgeable chap who has sort of said to me that there was originally in the ancient sort of Vedic texts that they, they speak about there being 64 psychic arts, so 64 sort of gifts of the spirit. So, I mean, that's, when you think about it, that's quite incredible because, I mean, offhand, you know, I think I would have trouble sort of, you know, listing more than about sort of 30 or so sort of known sort of psychic or supernatural gifts. I mean, it's, it's amazing to think that, you know, perhaps we can unlock 64, you know, quite intense, strange psychic gifts. You can imagine if you have all of them going at once. I imagine it's a, it's a very interesting life to live. <laughs> Back in the days of Lemuria. Yeah. Uh, These incredible things that have happened in our past. I want to talk about your trip to Mexico. You spent three days fasting and meditating. Tell us about the shamanic initiation with the Mayan shaman in the forest. I'll just 
just give you a little bit of background on that, just to, to why I'd gone there in particular. Essentially, it came from a, an experience I had uh, back in, it was in 2004, where I, I was involved with a spiritualist group, which is, was run around a centre called Hafani Coed, which is in Wales. Um, that was affiliated to the, the, I the National Spiritist Union of Britain. Um, and whilst on one of their chat rooms talking to another person who was herself recently involved with sort of psychic powers, as I was only sort of recently going to study the sort of why the telepathy was happening to me, we were both sort of in a similar situation, neither as uh, extremely well experienced or extremely knowledgeable. Um, but we had a very strange thing happen to us. We were sort of just mid-typing, talking, and then suddenly found myself floating, disembodied consciousness, floating above a jungle scene. And an even stranger thing, which sort of validates it, if you like, is the fact that so did the girl, whose name was Tracy. So we both suddenly found ourselves, disembodied consciousness, floating over this scene. Um, and as we moved across it, there was this white, step pyramid ahead of us and it was gleaming white you know, brand new shining white pyramid and I, I'm, I'm not an expert on well I certainly wasn't an expert on Mesoamerica at the time but I, I mean it was recognisable that this was something you know you let's call these one of these you know, South American or, or Central American pyramids so you know it was, it was amazing to see anyway but as we came closer we all started picking up information about it there was a sense that it was designed to be a focal point for the civilization there that the, the fact that it was, could be seen for miles because of the gleaming whiteness of it were all sort of poignant it just bubbled up inside you and knowing this about some factors about it also Tracy actually came out with a date that she felt that it was 675 AD so obviously we'd been stuck back way back in time there was a chap actually on top of the, the, the pyramid using what had to say sort of a sorcerer's or shamanic kind of outfit holding sort of a staff and I mean, we didn't take too much notice of him at the time, and it's only in hindsight that he's, he's pointed to me as being perhaps he was important. But we did sense that there was a secret tunnel in the top of this pyramid going down into another chamber. Um, so we got certain factors about it. And I just say this was as though you were there, you know, flying in a helicopter. You, you could see the jungle and the pyramid, everything as though you were really there, except you had no body. And then suddenly, you know, we were back back in our mutual rooms, we went sat together, and then we both spoke on, on the, through the internet, sort of said, you know, does that really happening to you as well? And they're like, yeah, you know, so we, we sort of validated that we both had the experience, and at the end of it, she said to me that I feel this experience is for you, Bruce, rather than for me. And at the time, I sort of thought, well, I don't know why that would be. I didn't have any special knowledge of the, the uh, Central American peoples. And... Um, but that's what sort of started me on this kind of the 2012 thing. So I then at that point looked into where this temple could be and you know, what this date 675 AD could relate to. And um, in a book I actually found that there's a temple of Palenque which happens to have been built in around 670 AD. So it would have been, of course, brand new, shining white. And it's the, um, the site of where one of the most important prophet kings of the Mayans actually lived. And that was... Um, the Lord Pakal Fatan, who, who um, is well known probably to most 2012 enthusiasts. Uh, so that's what kind of started on this um, wanting to, well, got me both into the 2012 subject, but also is why I wanted to go to this particular site and why I felt that it was necessary for me to prepare properly and to take it sort of fairly seriously when I was there. Um, so, you know, these years later, actually, January this year, 
I actually travelled out there um, partly to go to a 2012 conference initially, and then from there went on to this site where I did spend the sort of period first getting ready with the meditations and fasting, um, and then on the second day I actually uh, arranged to have a workshop with a local Maya shaman in the jungle there, and obviously um, in the vision I'd had there was this guy on top of the 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 pyramid. It kind of felt right to me that at some point I should be on top of the pyramid. And in my view, I guess we always have a vision of what we'd like to happen, but it's not necessarily what's meant to happen. I thought, you know, I'd have to get somehow to the top of the the most famous pyramid there, which is the the burial uh, pyramid of of the uh, king. But that's you know, it's off limits. You're not supposed to go up there at all. So I was thinking, you know, how am I going to get up there? Um, yeah, I'm sure this is what's meant to happen. But instead, I went through the shame of the jungle, thinking, oh, well, okay, you know, that's not going to happen. I'm not going to look on top of this temple. And, and um, then he's, he's taken up this pathway, and uh, he says, you know, we're actually on top of a pyramid here. And you realize that buried in the jungle, on a little carrot and tree, is an enormous pyramid. Um, you, you wouldn't notice it if you're walking past. You'd just think it was a mound. But, but once you get to the, the top mound, there's the cleared area, which is the, the temple on top of it. And... Um, so we actually had a sort of traditional Maya initiationary ritual on top of an ancient Maya temple, uh, which really sort of matched up to the vision of you know having the chain on top of this ancient Maya temple at this site. So sort of bringing the the past into the into, into the reality was you know it was a really profound sort of revelation. We actually had that happen after I'd kind of given up on um, my vision, if you like, actually manifesting. I know that we should always be because I've been too fixed on how these things will manifest. Um, but then you know, we went through a, a traditional sort of ritual involving chanting uh, the names of certain deities. Um, and I'd replicate what he was saying. And then afterwards, we gave an offering of um, certain incense these, I think it's uh, kapow, the traditional incense, and then just meditated. And it was at that point I found myself in a, in a communication with, there was two trees just straight ahead of us. There was a black one and a white one. And of course it comes to me that it was like the, the, the yin-yang that these things were exactly centered in front of the pyramid, in front of where we were meditating. And, um, and then I just had this kind of communicative experience with this tree. And it, you know, it was quite peculiar. A feeling that it was saying to me, that you know, reminding me that you know we are all the same. You know, you you are dependent on the the life-giving powers of the earth, just as I am. You know, that if you cut off your roots to nature, then like me, you will crumble and fall and die. You know, that you you have to remember your place in this. That we're all one. This one natural entity, all dependent on each other and dependent on the, the life-giving energies of this planet. Um, so it was, you know, really sort of a mind-blowing experience because I hadn't really known what to expect and to actually uh, to have that sort of, you know, that experience on top of an ancient temple in the Maya land and so near to the, the site of my original vision was just absolutely incredible and I have to say that the, the, the chat with me, the, the shaman was himself an incredible guy, an incredibly knowledgeable guy. And, um, one of the strangest things about it was, also I should add, is that he didn't speak any English. He must have spoken about four or five words of English, and I, I don't speak, of course, mine or Spanish. And um, the bizarre thing is, we understood each other throughout the sort of <laughs> must be like two, three hours, and there was very few points when we couldn't understand each other. And it was one of those times when, you know, the communication was at the soul level because something within you really wants to know the knowledge that's being transferred, and it makes effort to 
communicate in a different way. Uh, it was really sort of mind-blowing that at no point did we have to sort of stare at each other and sort of say, what the heck are we talking about here? You know, we really did sort of understand each other, and it was, so even in itself, that was a, a very peculiar element of it. That, so uh, it was a, an experience I, I will, you know, never forget. That is an incredible story. The pyramid, and then hearing the message from the tree. What a wonderful experience. I want to ask you about the living sun and what's going on with the sun. We know that there's big solar flares coming up. I'm pretty convinced that you know, one of the, the major factors of, of what's happening in general is the change in the sun. And that I believe that the sun is a, a living being, you know, an incredible living being, mm-hmm. and just in the way that the ancients um, always viewed the sun as being either a deity or as a, some kind of higher entity. Um, uh, personally, I'm, I'm utterly convinced that, that is the case, and that we just are not able to recognize alien life. We see it. It's, it's so taken for granted that it's just this ball of fire that, that no one questions. You know, what about the fact that you know we are made of stardust? You know, that stardust has come alive in us. So why shouldn't that which sort of gave us this, this form and has helped us you know, become a living being, why shouldn't that have consciousness in it already, especially when it's had you know, billions of years to have manifested consciousness? So, and this, this planet is you know, far younger, and yet it's manifested consciousness. So I'm totally convinced that this is the case. And the behavior of the sun has just been so mind-blowing. I mean, all the scientists are admitting they, they don't know what's going on. There's whole new patterns and cycles that they're, they're just like to discover in the sun. Um, and they're finding that, of course, we've had this really peculiar, anomalous period where there was virtually no sunspots for, it was almost for three or four years. And this is pretty, pretty much unheard of. Um, so it seemed almost as though the calm before the storm, you know, as we, we have a, we were saying that, but it really seemed that that, that was going on is building up to something to go so, so quiet. And then along with that, seeing these changes throughout the, the solar system, you know, so we, we're all within the sun. We, you know, people sort of forget that the heliosphere of the sun contains all of the planets. You know, this is one great sphere that is the sun's body. So whatever is happening to the sun is inevitably reflected through the rest of the planet. I'm not saying it's necessarily just to do with um, the heat levels that come out of the sun and very sort of mundane interpretations of that. I, I think that there's something more subtle there. There's um, a wave of consciousness that comes from our sun and that affects us. I mean, the 11-11 phenomena, for example, I feel is strongly connected with this. Um, the sun itself has, of course, uh, is approximately an 11.11 year solar cycle for the the peaks and troughs of the, um, the solar storms. I mean, that in itself is a pretty amazing coincidence when we see that all of these people are saying that, hey, I'm noticing 11-11 all the time. It's like, well, is the sun somehow talking to us? Is it communicating with us? Because why is it this same number, this same cycle? And then and I know that also the, uh, there's a, I think it's from the right, it's every 11 minutes when the, the core of the sun turns, so this 11 keeps coming up. Um, so that, that to me is a subtle communication from the sun that we are somehow picking up on because we're within the sun, we're part of the sun. Um, I feel that the, the changes that are happening on Earth, that this kind of ramping up to a, a fifth dimensional level is going to be reflected in the sun, that it's, it itself is changing somehow. I mean, I'm not sure what the end result will be for the sun, but I certainly feel that it's, there is actually um, an intelligence behind it.
to go back to the 1111, 11.11 years in a solar cycle. Mm -hmm. I find that fascinating. Did you know the winter solstice on December 21st in 2012 is at 11.11 a.m.? Yeah, that's yeah. right. It's, a, it's amazing, isn't it? It's absolutely amazing. And for years, you know, no one had, had found that out. It was only in the last sort of, I understand it, last couple of years that that's really come to attention. Um, so it's not that people can say that, you know, that everyone knew about that and that they, you know, that they then saw 11.11 on clocks, you know, that the 11.11 phenomenon was already happening way before anyone sort of clocked on to this fact that, as you say, the 11.11 the plays a key role actually on the 21st of December. And, I mean, that's been such a validation, I think, for, for many of us that have both had the 11.11 experiences and are also interested in 2012. I mean, to actually find the, the two tying up like that, I mean, it's, it's way beyond coincidence. It just, you know, it just it boggles your mind, the intelligent organization of our universe, and that, you know, that it, it sounds like, um, sounds like things like cosmic jokes, you know, that, that it's saying, well, look, here you go, <laughs> you know, if you want some proof that this meant something and that there's something important going on here, it's, well, here you go, here's some more evidence. Um, it just keeps coming and coming, and unbelievable, yeah, I, mean, I totally agree with you, it's, it's, it's amazing that, you know, that we actually have the summer sort of Well, it's 
experience was actually made it into um, the UFO magazine, which I'm not sure is now defunct, I think, the UK uh, UFO magazine. Um, but that was, actually, funny enough, that was actually during, it was the, um, there was an alignment of planets. I think it was in 2004 or 2005. Um, but anyway, there was a rare alignment. So I was outside to look at the alignment. And yeah, at that point, um, there was suddenly this group of orange lights one corner of the sky and they just raced across I mean I quickly shouted for my flatmate to come outside because it's always nice to have people validate these strange things and um, we both watched these things just literally they just shot across like faster than sort of jet fighters um, and then they were just gone I mean this was from sort of one horizon to the other probably within about a minute and a half so I mean these were moving fast and I'm, I'm used to seeing jets I mean we have these red red arrows aero display teams practice over my, my old home and so I'm quite used to you know, seeing you know, planes go over at a high speed. I mean, this was really, really moving. Um, certainly not Chinese lanterns. They were going back a, a good while before those became popular. And certainly they, they were moving way too fast, way too fast. Um, so I've had yeah, several UFO experiences. But uh, I, I was going to add as well about the plasma phenomenon. You know, I am um, fairly convinced that some of these, particularly the, the orange balls that you know are commonly seen, I think these probably are a plasma phenomenon, whereas the others, you know, did have more of the things of being craft. I think that when you see these sort of fiery balls, I'm pretty convinced these are some sort of life form, that they are connected perhaps with the sun or with stars somehow being made of that plasma energy. Uh, but I think that those are something in themselves that are, are conscious and that, um, that they're not not just a craft. I, I think there's, there's more to it when you see these, these sort of fiery balls, which, you know, are known throughout ancient history and uh, depicted by the Egyptians, these fiery circles and stuff that I think that we're talking about some sort of intelligent life form which um, travels in, in that form. And so, of course, in your face, it's sort of divided between accepting there are strange craft that fly around, but also that I think there's there's other phenomena that are under that category of UFOs, which I would actually say are more like just independent life forms. Did you get the sense that they were hmm. communicating with you? Definitely the periods of life um, when I've seen above my, my old family home, they certainly felt that it's strange that, you know, I just happened to be, you know, outside to look at the stars at the, the same moment. And they did feel that, you know, I was drawn to look up and that when they were there, it was, you know, they wanted me to see them. So there was definitely that feel of a, of a subtle communication that, you know, they wanted me to see that they were there and that they had drawn my attention to them somehow through psychic means. So, yes, anyway, I think that they, they do communicate with us. Um, I mean, some people, of course, have more profound experiences in terms of, you know, full-on conversations with, with alien beings in crafts. But, you know, I, I think that even for those who just see UFOs, I think that many of them would probably admit that they it wasn't a case of just happening to, to be in the right place. Right? You know, that they'd felt drawn in some way to be there, um, a bit like the, the sort of close encounters of the third kind, you know, the way that the, the people in that were drawn to Table Mountain, that I think that, you know, there is a, a sort of a, a subtle, sort of something within our subconscious that knows where the alien will be or where the craft will be, or, or they are actually communicating to us, saying, that, you know, come and have a look, um, which, which in that respect as well makes you feel that, yeah, it's, it's a more of a non-threatening idea, because if, if, if they really wanted to do something harmful and you know you'd think that they'd want to be fairly secretive about it um, to me the a being that wants to draw your attention to it being present is kind of saying look hello we're here you know we're not going to harm you we, we want to sort of open channels of communication
conversation with you. Are you going to panic when you first see us? You know, let's test run this a little bit. And that, so perhaps they will start by introducing themselves into someone's life and then gradually, gradually ramping that up to the point where with some people they, you know, then go to the next level of either coming to meet them and I don't know, the sort of the contact experiences or the abduction experiences, depending on people's viewpoints, or actually having sort of channeled information where, you know, in the same way that we can spiritually channel. Um, I've worked as a medium myself, so I'm familiar with channeling. So it's, you know, they can provide that information directly to a human mind or they can use other methods where they actually seem to manifest or physically visit somebody. So but I think that most, most people would probably find that it started with that introducing themselves to you by just getting you to look up at them. Could, mm-hmm. could that happen through dreams, do you think? I, definitely, I think that, you know, that we're dealing with um, intelligences that are not advanced in different ways to us, and I don't know if they're, you know, more advanced than us than it always, but I think certainly in terms of the psychic level, that I'd suggest that, that you know, they have the ability to manifest through dreams, because I think with some of the experiences people have with contact experiences, you know, I'm I'm sort of half-half as to whether some of those happened in what we would call physical reality or whether they enter the dream space and they provide you with an experience of them being, you know, in your room communicating with you or you being on the ship with them communicating with you. Um, I'm sure that I'd get some quite sort of half-time response from some of the contactees by saying that because they say that, you know, they definitely were physically there. And I, you know, I'm not going to tell people that they're like, I don't know if, if they were or not, but I certainly expect from some reports that some people's experiences were in the, in the dreams rather than in reality, um, because they have you know, very similar hallmarks to um, what we call it. You know, with the you assume you can't move, the sleep paralysis, mm-hmm. um, and, and people have some very intense visionary experiences in, in those situations. So I think that the aliens are, you know, they are able to utilise that sort of psychological mechanism within us, where you can uh, have very powerful visionary experiences at night, which are. Uh, the same almost as them physically meeting you so I wouldn't be surprised if they were doing that and that they were subtly communicating with people that they had already introduced themselves to and that you know it may well be the case of you know keeping an eye on your dreams for odd things that are there or odd beings that are there uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Carlos Castaneda's work but he um, mm-hmm. he's about the art yeah the art, you know, the art of dreaming um, in that one he actually goes a bit into sort of the the different entities you can encounter, stuff like, so there's like crystalline entities and stuff, and it says, yeah, you have to sort of watch out in your dreams for um, certain things like sort of crystalline objects and things like that, that they are emissaries of this other culture, of this other civilization, and that if you focus on them within the dream, they will leave, because, because you've become aware that they're, they're sort of emissaries spying on the situation. Um, so I, I think that sometimes perhaps we don't realize how subtle all these these other sort of beings and stuff can be, and that they literally can be hiding as an object in your dream, just monitoring and <laughs> making first contact. Uh, but as soon as you become aware, they'll they will leave. So 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 it's worth, if we're we're keeping an eye out for anything that you think's a little bit out of the context of the dream. And is any of this to be fearful of? I, I, I have to know, I've mixed views with the aliens, I mean, I know that certainly with, um, there's, you know, famous cases with, say, that the uh, Dolce, the Dolce book, and the, the cases of, supposedly, of, of uh, armed conflicts between, sort of, human forces and alien forces in underground bases, so, I mean, um, I mean, there's some pretty, you know, suggest, good suggestive 
evidence that some of these new reports are true, that there may well be, you know, negative aliens out there. I mean, it's it's a big universe, you know, we've, we've got to have the fact that within ourselves, within mankind, that we know that there are very positive people and very negative people, and I'm sure that um, amongst the race of the universe, there's some that are very positive, some that are very negative, and probably even within the races, the ones that make contact, there's probably the odd one that hasn't worked through their own shadow stuff. So, I mean, it's, you know, that, that, that if there's anything to do, I suppose, it's that the wrong ones link up with the wrong people, and that between the two of them, they, they try to make things worse down here for people. But um, I think universities tend to be fairly well balanced, and that, you know, at the end of the day, there's always a counteracting good element for anything like that that you know if there's a race out there that's got negative beings amongst it I'm sure that they've also got good ones trying to rein those ones in so I, I don't think we should spend too much time fearing the aliens uh, or, or any other entities whether we're talking about physical aliens or uh, beings from higher dimensions um, I think that essentially that those will be taken care of by their own and by their own you know issues they need to work through that you know, we need to mostly focus on the problems that mankind is causing for itself rather than any sort of smaller factors that are caused by manipulation by beings uh, yeah. so that would be my fear. I don't think we should get caught up in the being scared of the aliens I mean, uh, even with the abduction phenomena which you know it does sound quite scary I mean I imagine that particularly for somebody who's never had any kind of, you know, supernatural or, or psychic experiences, if you suddenly found yourself in a situation which, for all intents and purposes, seemed that you had been abducted by a completely different kind of life form, and it's then ex doing what seems to be strange experiments on you, I mean, that's, it's, it's fair to say that that is fairly, you know, a terrifying experience to imagine happening to somebody. Um, so I, I, I can't say that, you know, that... I blame some people for being scared because of experiences they've had, um, but as, as far as I know, nobody you know gets sort of killed in these experiences. You know, so it's even when they're not very pleasant. I don't think you know I've not heard of aliens actually killing people. So I think we have to say that you're much more likely to be killed by other people than you are by an alien. Can you tell us how you're preparing for the future? Sure. I mean, for me, it's a, a case of really trying to look at some of my uh, my negative habits, my bad habits, and really try and ask myself sort of, A, sort of why am I doing those and why do I, despite knowing that I have sort of negative habits, uh, things like laziness or at times some selfishness or not working hard enough on my interpersonal relationships with people, that looking at, you know, why is it that I have those issues and trying to figure out um, where those difficulties come from. Because I, I don't believe that um, anything in the way that we, we react and cause these problems is, is quite as strict as it seems. We might say that, oh, we're a bit lazy to go and visit so-and-so or, you know, oh, I don't fancy doing that. But I think that we have to look a bit deeper and say, well, look, you know, it wouldn't be a real has to do that. We care about that person. Why aren't we doing that? What, what is the block there? What was the issue to the ego? What is the, the issue to the inner self that's, that's wanting you to carry on with that negative habit? Um, what is it feeding into? So that's why I'm, I'm really trying to look at these these patterns that I have and find ways to break them. And mostly by I suppose, focusing on something and then deliberately going against your old habit and, and starting to make, put down a new pattern of actually doing what you know to be the more positive um, approach to it. Uh, that, and of course, combining it with introspection. Um, I believe in using meditation. Um, I have 
Buddhism and the study of that philosophies, and I found that to be very helpful to, to be able to uh, integrate the teachings of the Buddhism, which um, gives us um, the push to make sure we have a right livelihood, right mind, right speech, um, you know, to really sort of combine the, the elements of all the parts of our life and checking that they are in, in the optimal right order. Um, that's worked very well for me, so I think that that's something that perhaps uh, for us in the West um, may be something very useful. I think that Buddhism is uh, quite a, a practical philosophy um, because it you know, outlines all kinds of different practices, the watching the breath to, to gain insight, you know, just letting the, the mind empty and see what bubbles up. And I think in those moments when the mind is quiet, if you still have shadow stuff within you, that's when you, you have it bubble up. And I'm, I'm sure that your listeners will have experiences by myself where perhaps the mind is quiet and you'll have what seems to be voices, you know, just strange things that just pop into your head and someone saying something and, and you sort of ask, where did that, you know, where's that coming from? So it's, it's quite an amazing experience and it's just to quiet the mind and see that some of the rubbish that, you know, bubbles around in the unconscious. And I think if we, um, we all start to listen to that and let the mind settle, that we'll find that we can release a lot of the, these kind of subconscious, subliminal stuff that goes on in our minds and not helping us whatsoever and start to allow the more positive voices and the more positive feelings to bubble up after the, I know the most familiar with the ideas about you know, attracting what we want to us. I think that combining sort of visualization, meditation, and very sort of proactive um, tackling head-on bad negative habits of ours uh, is a surefire way to, to keep up to date with the, the rising in consciousness. Well, you are certainly on your right path, and I know everyone is right here with you, purging a lot of the shadow side and looking at it. Thank you so much, Bruce Fenton, for joining us today. Thank you very much for having me on. It's been very enjoyable. Thank you. Your website is 2012rising.com. And thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed today's program, feel free to forward it to your friends so we can share the news about the information that we learned today. I'm now going to leave you with music from the universe, brought to you by AcousticHealth.com. Have a wonderful day.
With the Lucky Land Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.